0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden
1: Center.
2: Good morning, everyone. It is... Thanksgiving weekend. It's a little bit cooler out there, I have to say myself. The extra layers are going on, but kind of being a sweater weather, if you say that fast enough, girl. uh, I love autumn. It's the colors, it's the hues, and yeah, it's even the crunchiness of the leaves that are down below. I had uh, so much fun this week with the kids, not the kids, the grandkids picking them up, and a little bit of a uh, playfulness, taking uh, my three-year-old uh, granddaughter through a bunch of crunchy leaves. you think that I had opened a whole new world to her. So yes, there's some fun in nature, and it could be with crispy, colorful autumn leaves. Golden crisp leaves falling softly from almost bare trees, lifting and falling in a hushed, gentle breeze slowly dropping to the soft cushioned ground, whispering and rustling a soothing sound. Coppers, golds, and rusted tones, mother's nature way of letting go. They fall and gather one by one. Autumn is here. Summer has gone. Crunching as I walk through their warm, fiery glow, nature's carpet rich and pure that again will show. To protect and shield this majestic tree, standing tall and strong for all the world to see. They rise and fall in the cool crisp air, it's time of change in this world we all share. Nature's importance reflecting our own lives, letting go of fears, and again too, we shall thrive, that's it. What is Autumn? is all about. Welcome back, everyone. It is Thanksgiving weekend, and I was torn between creating a a poem about autumn or a poem about turkey or a poem about pumpkin pie. So there's a lot happening, and there's a lot to be very thankful for. But uh, as we know, it's a beautiful weekend too, and if you're celebrating with family and friends, maybe you're decorating a little bit on the outside or in the inside for a little bit of festivity and creating the beautiful hues of colors that come indoors. I know that when we're on the outside uh, in the summertime, we're grabbing those hydrangeas, we're grabbing the daisies, the foxgloves, and creating beautiful bouquets for our kitchens or our dining rooms for celebration. But there are some beautiful colors in the fall that you can even include with that. I know it's, it's more talking about flor, uh, florist type, but Have you ever thought of even if you have some extra little kale tucked away in the back of maybe cutting off one of those kales, putting it into a vase and pairing it maybe with some dogwood trimmings, or you maybe even have a few maple branches with some leaves that are on there, accenting it that way makes it so much pretty. And I have to say the mums and the asters right now in gardens, they love that exuberance of some of that... Cool, crisp air. They actually do better. They look brighter, especially ornamental kales and cabbages. Sure, there's the edible kind. But if you have never ventured into doing ornamental type, I have planted these for years. Uh, it reminds me of a story of years and years ago there I went down and planted for a lady a lot of them that lined her entire sidewalk. And in the fall, they stood like soldiers in reds and purple colors and I kind of giggled because in the spring when it came by the garden was not cleaned up in the winter or before the winter and as the spring melt came along those kales and cabbages that were lined up in the snow as it melted still looked like they were alive because they held their Christmas and of course yes when we truly got into the warmer temperatures they showed that they had succumbed to the winter but boy they looked so pretty As a contrast to the snow, just like our tulips do when they first come up in the spring. With a contrast, if you plant your early spring ones, they sometimes too poke their little foliage and their blooms through the snow. The lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. If you want to give me a shout, there's a lot that's happening. You may be even venturing to do some pre-early Thanksgiving brunches or lunches. But before you go, let's talk gardening, all right? Oh, we're going to go right to Lane. line. Anne is there. Good morning, Anne.
1: Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, Why I'm calling, I have hydrangeas, and I always, I'm never sure, what do I do with them in fall? Do I leave them up, or do I take them down, or cut them down, or what, what should I do?
2: Well, that's the story of gardening. It's half of one, or it could be half of the other. Because it sometimes it depends on, um depends on the condition, it depends on their age, like how old are your hydrangeas?:
1: Pretty old already, quite a number of years, and I've been always cutting them down, but I've been, I've been looking online, and they just to actually let them stand, so now i'm I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, what is my best, because they are an old plant already, um, and I've been dividing them over the years. And, uh, but my in original plant actually did die this year, so I don't have the original one anymore. But I do have the ones that I've divided and transplanted, uh, a few of them. But I'm never sure what to do in fall. Do I let them stay or not? Yeah.
2: Well, in, in that case, when they are an older plant, um, if you want to reduce the amount of work that you do in the spring, you can take mm-hmm. their heads down. and it. The hydrangeas fall in the same category as our shrubs. So rule of thumb, you can take up to one-third off the top, downwards, off, if that's what you're looking for. But sometimes those hydrangea heads look beautiful as a contrast to the landscape. So they do look very pretty if you do leave them up too, as well.
1: Okay, so that's my other question. And you say take them down by about a third. Is that all you do? Because I've been taking them down right like about maybe two inches off the ground in spring. Is that too much?
2: That's that's going a little... Uh, uh, that could be aggressive, And but the thing is if they're growing up as much equally as to their full capacity or the full height that you want, um, we mm-hmm. have some here that we normally take about a third of them off. Because if you notice, if you leave that twigging and branching up, it, they almost seem brittle and they... And they uh, don't even know, uh, like they. It doesn't, like system system. it doesn't feel like they can sustain life that. there, but you will see on that, that old right, stemming and and how far up the and new leaves I'm will a pop a but, off I'm that old wood on there.
1: Ah, okay. Well, then I've been doing it quite wrong all the time. So then, okay, so in other words, whether I do it in spring or in fall, it doesn't matter, but a third down, and that's about but all the care they need then.
2: If you take one third down, but... I'm not going to say you did it wrong because if you cut it down that far and it grew back to the height that you liked it to be, then mm-hmm.
1: wasn't it? it mm-hmm. yeah, you
2: know. yeah. 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 And sometimes it okay. can go quite far, uh, can be cut far back like that. Like uh potentilla, I had probably fifteen-year-old potentillas. They were the old Goldfinger variety, and they were getting a little leggy. They were leaning over a little bit, and I too cut them down to like eight inches, and they just dominated. Okay. But you can't do that to everything. Okay?
1: okay. 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 So whether I do it, whether I do it now or do it in fall or spring, it doesn't really matter.
2: It's your choice. How much work do you want to do My now? T- <laughs> How much you want yeah. to do in the spring? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, super. Okay. Well, that answers my questions. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. okay, bye-bye.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal for the Thanksgiving weekend. And before I go to Susan, I do want to mention something to Anne about the hydrangeas. The hydrangea heads, too, if you're wanting to do sort of something floristy or crafty, a lot of those dried hydrangea heads look beautiful if you are going to cut them down. Use them as a fall display because they are dried now. You basically have created dried flowers. And the one thing also, too, is if you want to get really crafty, they make beautiful, absolutely beautiful wreaths. So you can actually get a grapevine wreath frame or make a grapevine wreath frame if you have grapevines. Like uh, Mom and Dad used to do, they used to spend hours just weaving uh, these grapevine wreaths for us to be crafty with. And a little bit of, little hint of spray that's on them will match them up with whatever color that you want them to be. So, Thanksgiving, crafty, floristy, it's going to be a beautiful display on your tables. Let's go right to the lines with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi, I, I forgot to ask Ann where she was calling from, and I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from? Brandon. Well, hello and good morning to everyone in Brandon.
1: It's perfect. Yeah, how can we help you on the lawn and garden journal? My, my question today is, when I bring in the, the plants that were outside and I want them back in the house for the summer, uh, winter, how do I get rid of any bugs that have come in with them?
2: Okay. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start with fresh water or well water, what you have. Give your foliage and plants a really good sort of blast of water. Yeah. But make sure you're going to do the undersides of the leaves too. So if you project your nozzle so it's spraying upwards... Spray upwards, because those bugs are smart. Um, They know what makes an umbrella, and if it's an umbrella effect that's on it, they lay or harbor on the undersides of the leaves. So you want to make sure that you get a good blast on the undersides of the leaves as well as the top. Okay? Okay. That's that's step number one. Step number two, uh, what you're going to want to do is maybe put a little bit of diatomaceous earth on the soil, because... If they were in pots with drainage holes, maybe a few little sow bugs or, you know, like silverfish may come in. So you want to make sure you put diatomaceous earth and sort of dig it into the top little portion of the soil. Okay. That will help with that. And the third note is after you finish spraying it and it's dried off with the water, I would do a little bit of a insecticide spray like an all or a trounce. Just to do a little bit of coating, if you missed one of those nasty little guys, or if there's any larvae that's laid on the foliage, uh, end all will work on different stages of it, okay? So it'll help to coat that so it has a detriment to that, okay? Okay, yeah, but um, and it, this is time too that if you're bringing it indoors and you see that your shape of your pot is. Misshaped, or if their roots are coming on the surface or coming at the bottom, you maybe want to bump up the size of the pot one or two inches bigger.
1: Okay. Okay. Yes, and it, and, I, and I also put uh, compost directly onto the garden bed or do I have to uh, mix it with another like just straight soil, like black black dirt or something?
2: Well, no, you can put the comp if, if
1: the can- compost is like already well
2: broken down and everything. Oh yes, you- it's ready to go. Uh, put it on the top of the soil, you don't because if you're adding it to the garden, you're gonna mix it into your garden okay? right, yep, it's good to go, okay, okay, thank you so very much. You're very welcome and thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving same to you okay bye 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 bye. This is the season where we're bringing a lot of um items in for sure, like if we're bringing our plants that are coming in, and this is also a good time um when we're like. Okay, we stopped the conversation with Susan, but in my mind, there's still some other things that we should kind of do. Um, this is a time too where even if you use uh, a plant cleaner if on some dramatic leaves, like if you're uh, the larger leaf structure ones that you're bringing, in, washing them off even with a rag and giving that little bit of shininess that's on there uh, we have a I always like telling you of uh, new items that we got this year we've got a new product called we the wild, and it is a leaf cleaner and it's amazing how plants look so good you know when we put a little bit of i don't know if i can say spit and polish but (laughs) it's putting a little bit of spit and polish on your leaves they look so much shinier and cleaner and crisp uh you know some plants they get a little bit of dusty and this product can be used on plants that are already pre-existing in the home too as well so when you're cleaning up things, if you've got those large ficus leaves or something that's a little bit your peperomias, and you want to give it a little bit of a shine that's on there, give them a little bit of a wash off and a little bit of a cloth wiping too is gonna to do wonders. Because even so, sometimes that buildup of a little bit of dust on there, you know, we want to be able to uh, keep things neat and tidy that's on there. So that's always beneficial. All right, so. Get out a little cloth, or maybe try some Wee the Wild. You will see a difference. It just makes it so much crisper. All right, this is going to be a last sort of shout out because I know that our night temperatures are dropping. Hey, um, I know here last night they said we were going to go to zero. I woke up and it was plus two. Did you guys get frost? Who got uh, frost this morning? I'm 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 looking around my office going. I'm asking you guys questions and nobody's putting up their hand yet. <laughs> the lines are open 1-800-374-3315. So we are getting colder. Maybe you can do a few tasks if you have uh, maybe not people coming over all weekend. You'll be in your gardens. You'll be seeing what's assessing and going through. And there's certain tasks that we start to do in the garden in preparation of what's going through. Yes, maybe we, have we planted garlic yet? That's the number one. Uh, I think there's more love for garlic right now than there are tulips and allium. But I have to say, if I have a, a spring or a fall bulb that I have to get in the ground, my go-to is allium. But also, too, my go-to is the garlic All right, that's out there. All right, let's go right back to lines. John is waiting. Good morning, John.
3: <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, we're, I'm calling from Toulon. Uh we've enjoyed your show for years but I think this is the first time we've called in. <laughs> oh, well welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Anyways, we have uh a weird problem with our potatoes. There's some nasty larvae uh that is just trumps on the potatoes. Um, if you can imagine something like almost the size of your thumb holes in a potato. Wow. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it.
2: Okay. Well, it's eating the foliage of it or it's is eating the actual potato?
3: Eating the actual potato.
2: Oh, okay. So when you're planting, are you um, maybe do a little bit of crop rotation? next year next uh-huh event.
3: you know what i was thinking of that uh i knew the guys from uh craker farms and they said you never grow potatoes in the same spot twice well unfortunately we did and i've i've never seen we probably lost 10 percent of the potatoes to the, whatever it was chomping on them and i mean pretty major holes like uh yeah <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's something we just rotate. Does that work? Or And I think I found one of the uh, nasty worms or something. Uh, I'd say about two and a half centimeters long and about a half a centimeter in diameter.
2: Ooh, that's yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what you maybe can do, too, is when you're starting to plant your crop in the fall, Maybe throw a little bit of diatomaceous earth that's in around it, as well as when you're throwing the tuber in there. Because it, it very it's very holy, and then do another application part way once the production of your of the tubers start developing. Okay, that may help. But I would do crop rotation. Crop rotation. We know it works on certain... So if it's there, just give a little bit of a rest on that and switch your crop.
3: Yeah, move it. We get, we have some other garden plots, and uh, we'll just move our potatoes over there and put something else in the ground and uh, just move it around. Well, thank you very much.
2: Okay. All right. Take okay, care. Take care, and thank you for calling in.
3: And oh, thank, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank,
2: thank you for listening. Bye-bye. There are so many different things that are out there, and it's so disheartening when you... Uh, do grow a crop that you're um, not getting your full reward of that bounty. It's a good conversation. I know that I have uh, a few tomato plants that I've been lingering and sort of delaying pulling them out because they had some uh, tomatoes still on them. And specifically, I think I've talked to you earlier in the season about the variety called Mountain Man. So good. So juicy. So much like a tomato. And there's a few that are on there that are a little bit green. And I'm just holding off because the vine ripened ones are so tasty. Yes, everyone, we are going to have to say goodbye to some of our tomatoes and fresh fruit for a a bit. But just remember, seeds are going to be coming in in December we'll get to tickle our fingers on those seeding catalogs. I've been being able to tickle my fingers on seed catalogs for a a couple months now because uh, we're ahead of it. We're ahead of the game. We're already thinking about when we're seeding. And uh, yeah, so enjoy those last little bits of fresh fruit and vegetables that you have in your garden and maybe store a little bit for the winter ahead. We're going to go right back to the lines. Duane is there. Hi, Duane.
0: Hi, how are you today?
2: I'm very good. And yourself? And where are you calling from? From Brandon. From Brandon. Well, that makes two for Brandon today. Wow. That's good. How yeah. can we help you today on the Lawn Garden Journal?
0: Uh, last last year uh, in the spring, I noticed uh, we'd had trouble with uh, voles, uh, um coming in along a fence line uh, in the backyard. And just wondering how to control that, maybe a little better. I don't like to cut the lawn real short in the winter, but... I understand that that is one thing you can do to to help it, but is there something else that we might do?
1: Yeah, the
2: voles, they are a little bit nasty, and they, like we agree, like they can really cause a detriment to some of our lawns. Um, Cutting your grass a little bit, not terribly short, but slightly shorter is going to help because they won't have that insulating factor for them to run through, right? Um, Try and do a little bit of cleanup of areas, uh, like leaf, I, it's the same thing if you have a problem with them uh, the extra leaves that you have tucked around trees and shrubs the extra leaves around wood piles it's almost doing that little bit of a fresh clean up to get them to sort of say okay I'm not harboring and giving you a nice little nesting area anymore, you got to go um, back in the day we used to have some products that would deter them a little bit um, that's on there, if you find that they're harboring in sort of one areas or another a little bit more maybe um you know i hate to bait things but you can do a little bit of baiting if it does come a little bit of problematic in certain areas um but i think cutting the grass and doing a really good cleanup is the the friendliest way of doing it
0: sure to uh moss balls or anything like that uh i mean that's after the fact i guess if once they've made their uh holes holes and stuff in the spring but uh there's no real spray or anything
2: that you can kind well, of we, them? We used to have critter, like critter Ritter, works for mice. So they are kind of like that um, same kind of little rodent that's in there. So maybe a little bit of sprinkling of critter Ritter, But you would apply it in the areas, but you have to know that they're going to be there. So you really don't want to, you know, like if you put it down, maybe they're not going to be there. And that's a waste of product, right?
0: That's right. in there
2: and mothballs i i don't know if they're um very effective against anyone i'd be more concerned about mothballs if you do have um, a pet or a child that finds that so um, i might not use mothballs just for that fact um you know protect if there's a neighboring dog or cat or even children if they do find those so, um, no we
0: do have a puppy so yeah, that's yeah so
2: no then fun. no don't use mothballs then okay Keep it, okay. keep it safe. Keep it safe for puppy, right? Right. Okay. There you All go. All right. So um, maybe a, a little. Uh, go ahead.
0: No, I just wondered, did it freeze in Winnipeg last night?
2: No, you know what? I thought I was going to freeze, and because I heard zero, and then I got uh, waylaid to help my daughter last night, and then when I got home last night, I looked at my tomato plants and I went, "You know what? You're on the south side. You're protected. I'm going to kind of risk it." And uh, no, I woke up to plus two tonight again. Oh. I think. I think they say zero for tonight but uh i know that i looked this morning because you know we're farmers here too i gotta look after our crops that we keep on the outside and um it says minus one coming up this week but the temp the day temperature seemed to be still gonna go into maybe some some double digits so let's cross our fingers okay
0: yeah well i yeah. farmed my whole life and uh, yeah so i was I, I I can't get over getting up early, so I was up at five and it, it said plus one. So I'm not sure if it froze in Brandon or not. I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I usually I if I get up in the morning, I look at uh, like I'm in the city. So if I see frost on the roof, so I'm going, okay, we got it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I I'm I'm not looking forward to that first frost on the my windshield of my truck. I, that I, <laughs> that I'm kind of wanting to delay a little bit. Okay. OK, well, listen, right.
0: thank you very much and happy Thanksgiving to you.
2: Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, Dwayne, and thank you for listening. Okay. Bye now. OK, all right. Bye bye. Yes, I don't know if it got cold out there, uh, but we know it's coming. The leaves are falling and the beauty of these colors are gorgeous. I love the red tones. Uh, if you're missing some of that red tones in your in your landscape, that's out there, the Amir maples, your dogwoods, even some of the hydrangeas this year. Uh, we have one that's bloom struck that has just amazed me this year because I don't know if it's a mixture of maybe sometimes soils and water and that go through it, but our bloom struck hydrangeas have taken on sort of this reddish cast and it's such a, a welcoming surprise that's too there. And we have to look at some of the uh ornamental grasses too. It's one of those characteristics or or categories too. If you're growing your ornamental grasses, uh we've been getting some phone calls just like um uh, you know with Anne's question earlier. When do I cut things down? Now with perennials, same thing, rule of thumb. Do I cut it now or do I cut it in the spring? There's a couple plants that please, if you have planted them this year. They don't even need to be cut back. And I'm talking about uh, burginia. Some people call it burginia or uh, perennial elephant ears. And then the other one that usually likes to stay up is heuchera or huchera, right? It's tomato, tomato. It's that type. But these plants, the burginia or the heuchera, they really don't need to be trimmed up at all unless some of the leaves have gone yellow and crispy on you. Uh, the foliage and the, the flower stalks can be removed. But these are just like the conversation where I had with the kale. Once the snow leaves in the spring, it's amazing that both these plants, the heuchera and the burginia, they look like they're ready to go. It's like, let's go. The snow's off me. I'm looking good. I want to start growing. Those plants are kind of cool. With the ornamental grasses, they're fall or late summer, fall blooming with their inflorescence, the blooms that they have on there. And the ornamental grasses, whether you get a coral forester that is like three foot to four foot, depending on the variety that you're getting, or if you go into some of the uh, miscanthus or the panicums, where you get dramatic five, six, seven feet high on the blooms, these are gorgeous in the landscape. Can you just see them swaying in the breeze? Okay, not during a snowstorm. I'm giving you that slow, gentle weave in the gentle winter. And they have that horror frost that's on there. That's a picture, right? People wait for those pictures just to have that on there. So there is a contrast. All right. So tidy up the plants. Usually the spring ones, I say cut down. Because they are going to be up fast in the spring, so you want to get the spring-blooming ones cut down in the fall for sure. Your summer ones, see how much work you want to do. All right, let's go right to the lines. Uh, Gerald is there. Good morning, Gerald.
4: Oh, good morning, uh, Carla. I've I've called you once or twice in the past uh, few years, but uh, I have a little bit of a problem here with my uh, kind of globe cedars. I think that's probably what they're called. They're about eight feet tall by about eight feet around everywhere. And they're just too big, and I'm trying to think, is there any way that I can trim those cedars down properly to get them to much more manageable size? I'd like to be like at least, like at maximum, maybe six feet or five feet.
2: Okay, that's going to be a hard one, because globe cedars normally, with our evergreens, evergreens normally get uh, trimmed slightly, and the time frame that you would do that would be uh, end of June, or mid June depends on when the season starts, right? Sometimes, right? Uh, you know, sometimes our spring starts really s- early, but it's after the new growth has opened up on the bud sets of that previous year, all right? Because the cedars and the okay. spruce and everything, they they set their bud. Their buds are set right after the the new growth hardens off. They start setting their buds, right? So. That Your trimming should be done. If you go back two feet on a cedar, you're going to find that you're opening up a lot that's not going to recover. It's not going to look as pristine. So if you want to maintain it at its eight foot, try and keep it very trimmed and sheared and get the density going further back on that. And what's going to help you with that is on the glue cedars, too, is if you have sunlight that goes uh, all the way around, that helps it. because. Have you ever noticed that mm-hmm. when you open up your globe cedar, it's kind of dead in the center? It's, like, balded out? There's not a lot of foliage in there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for
4: sure. Because I have probably about eight eight or ten of them here. I just bought the house here a year ago. And I yeah. uh, found that they're pretty straggly and not very well kept, some of them. And, and the interior is very brown, And it doesn't yeah. seem like there's any way to, like, if I trim it down to, you know, maybe six inches of green instead of the 12 or 14 inches that are there. I trim it down to about six inches, some of it doesn't seem to come back. Or maybe yeah. I trimmed it down a little bit too far. I don't know. Last yeah. year, yeah, it,
2: it takes a very long, like exceedingly long, because I, I've myself too. I've got very tall um, pyramidal cedars. I've got the old-fashioned Brandons, but some of them are twenty-five oh. feet. Some of them are twenty-five feet tall. And, um, back in the day when my, I had two Westie puppies, they used to go right to the ground and then you get the puppies oh. that go around and they, they bald out the bottom. And I do see new growth. <laughs> I see new growth coming from the bottom, but the bottom is like an inch and they've only been like an inch, <laughs> uh, of oh, growth oh, for probably five, six years. So I think <laughs> oh. if you just imagine, if you wanted to give yourself a test, take a branch, put your hand over top of the greenery and say, okay, if I cut two feet off, what do I got below? It might. It, yeah. I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's going to look like a bunch of sticks. Okay.
4: <laughs> well, that's why so, I was wondering whether maybe the only thing was finally to to take out and remove them. Like they're right up the at the edge of my deck uh, where the stairs are, and they're yeah. just kind of encroaching into my stairs and everything. And I'm going, I I, I just can't keep them uh, trimmed back, seemingly to stay off the stairs. And uh, when they're eight feet on, you know, on each side, they're coming a foot or a foot and a half in, into my stairs from each side. Yeah, and it's just you know, it getting to be too much.
2: Yeah. But well, that's that's the other side of the conversation. Um, some plants at certain portions, if you look at the balance between if I maintain this and try and bring this down, you're not going to get down to six foot. And if it's by your deck, it's not going to look like you want it. Okay? Mm. I don't want to be the demi-downer, right. but it's not going to look to the effect that you really want it to go. And in some... Instances plants do expire or don't have that characteristics of what you want so I mm. think what you're I think what you're silently asking me is if they get removed and you plant brand new ones and that you are you're opening up a whole new uh, look to your deck
4: well that right? that could be part of it and I'm just wondering whether that might be the way to go but then it would take quite a few years for them to grow back to a Nice. Size again, right? So, yeah.
2: And look at it, too, is if it was planted, if it's an eight, if you know that you need uh, and you want to maintain a six-by-six six globe cedar around the perimeter of your deck, then right. that that cedar should have been planted four-and-a-half feet away from the deck at original right. so in oh, some. Oh, okay,
4: things, yeah, because these originally were planted like maybe probably two feet or two-and-a-half feet from the deck at the most.
2: Yeah, you know? so, so they
4: really an- encroach.
2: Yeah, so they've been cut, 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 cut because you have to when you purchase a plant, you have to look at the full maturity of what it's gonna look like in twenty years, not two years. You know. Right. Um but so if it's planted two feet away from the deck and it grows eight feet wide, yeah. You know, and in 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 a lot of instances too, when we buy small plants, if we put it five feet away from the deck and you look at it and you go, This looks silly. Well, it does yeah. look silly at the beginning, <laughs> but it doesn't at the end, yeah. okay?
4: Yeah, well, that's why, it's, and, and the thing is, you know, I, I don't have a huge yeah, yard space with a lot of grass otherwise anyway, and so if these yeah. globe cedars are growing that big, it's just like, oh man, my yard is getting smaller and smaller all the time here, and yep. I, I'm like you, I have these 25-foot cedars all the way around the edge of my yard, like three sides of my yard in the yep. back, Yeah. and then I've got these big globe cedars right, right next to the deck, and so my yard is like it's it's pretty small. They're getting smaller all the time and uh, it's just like, oh man, I don't know if I can really enjoy my yard the way I like to with them that big. Okay, I'm no gonna toss in, eh?
2: I'm gonna toss the coin for you and say, you know what? If you have that many cedars giving you that protected little cover on the exterior of your yard, mm-hmm. you wanna see that yard because nobody can see you. You have this little haven that's back there. I would flip yeah, the coin right, and say Bye-bye, Globe Cedars, and plant something that's going to give you that view. It's going to give you the comfort of what you really want to go for. And if you oh, want, if, you're, if your deck is big enough that you want a little pop of height on one corner of the other, and then keep your foliage low up to the deck, you will you will yeah. love it. You will love it. Okay?
4: Yeah, I'm thinking that might be the way to go. I, I also have just one more question is I, I also have – three or four of these uh, lilacs that get really really straggly they grow also about six feet seven feet tall and i cut them back last year to about four feet you know and then they came this year and there was no flowering basically on them and they've grown really straggly and big again and i'm thinking can do i just cut them back every year and when is the best time to cut them then
2: okay when you took a lilac from seven feet high, and you took it down to the foot. it's going to take yeah. a period of time for that re-emergence because the, the wood that's further down is your older wood. Mm. And mm-hmm. depending on the variety, like they're lilacs, they're going to, uh, whether it's a uh, Myers lilac or a Miss Kim lilac, they will foliage up again, they will get dense again, you're just going to have to be patient with that, but you're pruning at the wrong period of time, okay? Oh, so, When you prune a lilac, you want to prune right after its blooming period, which is right after the spring. So I want you not to prune this year.
4: Oh, okay. Because you're
2: probably pruning in the fall, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. usually I just would prune it now before winter or else I would do the very first thing in spring. But usually spring, it's hard to get at it in time, so usually fall is when I prune it.
2: Well, with the lilacs, if you prune in the fall, you're pruning off the flowers that have already been set for next year. Oh, okay. you And if you prune too early in the spring, then you're cutting off the buds again. Mm. You know what I mean?
4: So, right. right. Even are, though they look so straggly, because they look terribly straggly, you know, by now. Yeah. But they're so give, big.
2: Give them time. They're lilacs. Lilacs are ferocious. <laughs> they will come back. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. Okay, so I just had visions know. of,
2: uh, you know, like think of the farm row. The, the purpose of those were uh, protection, <laughs> density, let them sucker, let them fill in. Okay, give it time, Jeremy. Yeah, thank General. you
4: so much. I really appreciate your help.
2: Okay, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, okay. have a
4: good Thanksgiving.
2: Okay, you too. Well, everyone, we've talked a lot about gardening, but quickly before we go, let's talk about pies. It may not seem a question to rouse the talk of the nation, but I think Sir Old Pumpkin Pie should head the country's rations. His golden smile and spicy bite outdoes all lesser pies. Step up! I feel like telling him you win the foremost prize. I always think of gardens green, where golden as the sun, a big round pumpkins on the ground, ripen until they're done. Apple pie. It's pretty good. Lemon pie? That's out. But chocolate pie with cream piled high? It's worth, maybe, a hearty shout. A pie that's stuffed with cherries red or berries thick and blue can keep me busy for an hour. I like them all. It's true. But when the oven door comes down, revealing to my eye that glorious, golden, spicy face, that royal pumpkin pie, When I behold the regal sight, king of thanksgiving rations, I feel its glory should be sung among the whole earth's nations. Thank you for listening, everyone. I am thankful for the gardens. I am thankful for friends, thankful for family, and also thankful for you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye-bye.